welcome to None Dare Call It Ordinary 6 bonus episode! Today it is just me and Forrest. No, Brent, he was, uh, he's too good for this topic. Let's just put it that way. He told us he thinks there is no value in it and he hates us for even wanting to talk about it. Well, actually, the, the actual quote, this is quoting him from a text message, is he says he's not high level enough for this. Oh, yeah. And I suggested maybe he should watch some more Dave Rubin and uh, maybe eventually be high level enough to uh, talk about today's topic. Yeah, I guess he's saying that uh, me and Forrest are the thought leaders of the podcast, yeah. which uh, should never, ever be the case. <laughs> So what we are talking about today is something we've referred to on a few episodes and we felt the need to finally actually come out and talk about it. We are talking about dialethism, which is totally true and false <laughs> and just malarkey and wow, incredible. So wait, what is wait, wait, malarkey and wow, incredible. That is actually a dialethist campaign slogan. If <laughs> Biden and Trump were running together. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Isn't he going on a um, I, I have been not watching the news, Me but neither. then I went to the gym and on the TV on CNN, it just showed Biden and it said he's going on a no malarkey tour. Yes. Of Iowa, I believe. So that's that's my political news that I've gotten over the past my, couple of weeks my political, is, is the no malarkey tour. Yeah. My political news was just like this video of Joe Biden saying how like black kids are cockroaches that were like rubbing his legs or something. It was very bizarre. I've never <laughs> seen anything like it. And I said this. But we're doomed. This is the end of the American Republic. We, we are. It is over. It is completely over. We're done. Well, at the very least, we can if we don't pay attention to it, we won't see it coming. And that might be better. Yes, I agree. I agree. So <laughs> on to much more positive things. What is dialethism? Dialethism is the view that there are sentences that are both true and false. A common way this is put forward is to say that there are true contradictions. The word dialethism is based on a passage in Wittgenstein's remarks on the foundations of mathematics, quote, why should Russell's contradiction not be conceived of as something supra propositional, something that towers above the propositions and looks in both directions like a Janus head? The proposition that contradicts itself would stand like a monument with a Janus head over the propositions of logic. And so these propositions, these Janus faced propositions would be dialethias these two-way truths, which face both truth and falsity. And this name comes from die, meaning two or duple, and aletheia, meaning truth. And so, like, strangely enough, what Wittgenstein is talking about here is actually kind of the opposite of what dialethism proposes. Man, that is so embarrassing, not, then. That is pretty, kind of embarrassing. It's pretty embarrassing. <laughs> it's, so it's not that he's saying that there's, like, true contradictions in logic, quote, true contradictions but that you can conceive of like a super propositional class of things that are kind of like a meta symbol of sorts for like propositions in logic or, or maybe imagine as something from which logic itself can be derived from. Cause he says later on quote, might one not even begin logic with this contradiction and as it were descended from it to propositions. So in dialethism, it's not like there's a super logic from which logic is derived or that it acts as like a monument or symbol of, for logic. It's that in logic itself, i.e. the propositions, 
there are certain contradictions that also happen to be true, whatever the fuck that means. And it says in that quote that these Janus faced propositions are supra propositional, whereas dialethism is about propositions. Yeah. So it's not a representation of what Wittgenstein was saying, saying at all. So it's very strange. But anyway, it's very strange. So why? Why would we want to even think about this kind of view? Because dialethism can initially sound incredibly silly, as I think, you know, we've, you know, what does it even mean to say that some sentences are both true and false? I mean, you know, if I said I lived in Detroit and I don't live in Detroit, you would think I'm maybe involved in some kind of emotional distress (laughs) and I I would need some kind of help um, as opposed to trying to give a proper philosophical elucidation of what I just said. But there are philosophers who are apparently not in emotional distress who advocate for dialethism. So why? And the goal to start is to explain it in a way which makes it seem maybe at the very least a little less silly. And the real reason that people advocate dialethism is to deal with paradoxes. So we'll start with the semantic paradoxes specifically the liar paradox. I think pretty much almost everyone has heard of the liar paradox. And here is a typical example. This sentence is false. That is a kind of paradigmatic liar sentence. Yeah, there's other variations like I always lie. That would be another one. Yeah, so there's literally a liar paradox in the Bible where there is a Cretan who says all Cretans are liars. Right. Which I think is how it actually got the liar name. What's strange about the liar paradox is that at first glance, if it's false, then what the sentence says isn't the case. And what it says is that it's false. So then the sentence must be true and vice versa. If you assume it's true, that means that what it says is the case. And then therefore, the sentence must be false. And so it's this weird paradoxical sense that philosophers and linguistics have been trying to figure out for centuries. And we're going to solve it today. And we're going to, yeah, we're just going to solve it. Like that's just, you know, just hold on to your hats. It's going to get solved. Yeah. And dialethism is one solution to the paradox. And it's to simply accept that the liar sentence, this sentence is false, just is both true and false. All right. So, okay, fine. That's fair. But I'm going to take a shot at the above reasoning and say that the law of bivalence is bullshit because I'm going to say a contradiction is neither true nor false. So, (gasps) so do this, take a clear nonsense statement. Like, I don't know, all gimbally gooks are dibble dabbles, something like that. I mean, does that sentence have to be true or false? Like, no, it's neither. I would say like, I think that contradictions are unclear nonsense, but the same categorization as being neither true nor false still applies. They only seem to make sense. And that makes us like, that makes us think we can wrap our heads around them. So like, while I think logical contradictions are nonsense, I think that it's possible in each case is something different can drive the contradiction. So it could be that in like the classic liars paradox, you could say that self-reference does drive the contradiction and gives it this spooky aspect, but really it's just meaningless. You can consider other paradoxical statements where something else drives the contradiction. One classic one would be what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object, right? Mm, Yeah. And then the question becomes, well, what actually happens when that comes about? And it would seem to be, well, if an object is immovable, no force can move it. But if a force is unstoppable, that nothing can get in its way. So then the question is like, well, what, what is it that 
happens. And then I would say in that case, um, something else, it's, it's not self-reference that's driving the paradox. It would be like a presuppositional argument, something we'll get into later. So in that case, it would be like a presuppositional issue that's driving the paradox. But in other cases, it could be the reference, self-referential aspect that it drives the paradox. So I would think that there might be different things that drive why a paradox is. It's not like all paradoxes and contradictions come about the same way, I'd say. Yeah, I think that's the basic because I think there's a question about one, like, you know, what should we think about these paradoxes? But then two, kind of like what causes them? Like what features of the language lead to the kind of potential for paradoxes? And I think I, I, I suspect that the self-referential version is probably wrong, kind of given the example that you gave, where it appears that that's not that doesn't have anything to do with self-reference, um, but it's still paradoxical. Right. And the view that you gave this kind of or the solution that you gave to the dialethic argument where you simply deny that first premise, you deny the law of bivalence. This is a common solution. People have denied the law of bivalence by specifically saying there are truth value gaps. There are sentences which are neither true nor false. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. However, <sighs> even if this works for that first liar sentence we provided, it does not appear to work for so-called strengthened liar paradoxes. So here's a couple of examples. This sentence is not true. It's one example. Here's another example. This sentence is false or neither true nor false. Now, even if we reject the law of bivalence, these two sentences, you know, are either true, false or neither. Those are kind of the those are the three options we've given themselves. But take that first sentence. This sentence is not true. If it's true, then what it says of itself is correct. And therefore, it's not true. But if that sentence is either false or neither, then what it says of itself is correct. And therefore, it is true. <laughs> yeah. Any listeners out there, does your brain hurt while wrapping your head around all that? Yeah. You you are not alone. I I had to read that like 10 times before I fucking... <laughs> Before I understood what the fuck was going on. But yes, it's it's Dylan's right. He's got it all correct. It's just it, it took a while to digest that. Let's it's hard in the outline. We've got everything numbered. It's terrible. Want to hear the rest of this episode? Just become a five dollar a month patron at patreon.com slash none dare call it ordinary. You'll get a shout out on the show and access to all our monthly bonus episodes. As always, you can find us on Twitter at NDCIO, Instagram at NoneDareCallItOrdinary, and email NoneDareCallItOrdinary at gmail.com. If you want to learn more about the sources we use on each episode, as well as links to our YouTube channel and Discord server, just head on over to our website, NoneDareCallItOrdinary.com. Ordinary.com.